This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Help but move to this music, Jonathan. Seriously, oh, yeah. I, I need to move it up a little bit more. Thanks, kick it up a notch. Awesome. All right, everybody, welcome, welcome. We are here at noon on Tuesday, and we are going to learn today what it takes to get a cheese from udder to cutter. In other words, from say hi in the Swiss Alps to your kitchen table. And who's going to help us with that today is Jonathan McDowell from Aniata Cheese Company. Welcome, Jonathan. Happy to be here. Glad you can make it. Glad you can make us. Um, so tell us a little bit about you know you and then Aniata and how you got started with that. Yeah, absolutely. So the Aniata Cheese Company is a wholesale distributor importer uh, located here in uh, North San Diego County. Mm-hmm. We actually began about I guess I would say probably fourteen years ago now. Gosh, crazy! Fourteen years yeah. uh, in Del Mar. We started off as a cheese shop, um, you know, amongst Venissimo Mission Hills, one of the first cheese shops in San Diego County. Yeah, uh, we saw a gap in the market um, for artisan cheeses that wasn't being fulfilled. So we, uh, you know, set our sights on that. Started bringing in neat cheeses, selling them out of the shop. Yeah. Eventually, started doing some wholesale to some local chefs and restaurants. And cheese shops. I'm going to jump shops. in right there really quick because, um, believe it or not, so, Jonathan, you know, Aniata, um, the cheese shop in Del Mar, in the Flower Hill Promenade, was there before Venissimo. And so when we first moved here, and I knew I kind of wanted to do a cheese shop, <laughs> I used to camp out, like, on Tuesday afternoon in the Flower Hill Center and just watch how many people went in and out of Aniata to kind of gauge, like, I mean, how many people are buying cheese and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so that kind of, you know, just helped, okay, maybe this could work, you know, down in San Diego. Yeah. So, you know, after about, I guess it was a year we were working, I knew that Aniata, um, Bob, and Martina were um, selling some wholesale. So I remember reaching out to them and saying, hey, you know, would you be interested in selling, you know, wholesale to Venisabo? And that's kind of how that all started too, you know? I yeah. think we kind of helped each other and it was super cool. Absolutely. And then it went from there. Isn't and that's that awesome? it. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> Crazy. So, yeah, we did the wholesale thing, sold yeah. to shops and mm-hmm. restaurants and chefs and eventually uh, – Kind of started transitioning out of retail, focusing more on distribution. Yeah. Uh, I, what year was it? Probably the shop was taken up, was sold to you guys. Yeah, I think that was, think a minute, four or seven, 2007, I think. 2007. Somewhere right around there. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, Crazy. yeah, so 2007, uh, the Anyata Cheese Shop became Venissimo Del Mar, and mm-hmm. we ended up setting up a warehouse in Vista where we're still at. And now we focus entirely on distribution and importation. Yeah, um, of we, cheese. Of cheese. We yeah. do other stuff too, cured meats, condiments, mm-hmm. uh, anything that really falls into the specialty catalog yeah. uh, or gourmet cheese shop. Uh, sure, anything that might be delicious. Yeah, anything delicious. Yeah, yeah exactly. Gourmand <laughs> exactly. at that. Gourmand at that. But it definitely started with cheese. It started with cheese, right? yeah. And, you know, Bob will probably tell you, you know, when he set up the cheese shop with Martina, you know, they were going to be the best customers of the shop. And, uh, you know, to this day. Here we are. Yeah, and they Selling are the best. Because back then there weren't choices for um where you could get great cheese. Exactly. Right? I mean, it was really slim. I remember there were just a couple places and none of them were here in San Diego. I had to go elsewhere to try to find, you know, the good stuff. Exactly. And I remember um Bob telling a story, you know, 
back then too, if you wanted a wheel, a 200-pound wheel of Emmental or a 100-pound <laughs> Parmigiano-Reggiano, you had to buy the whole thing. Yeah. And for one little cheese shop to be sitting on 100, 200 pounds of cheese, that's that's tough, right? Yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, it's a lot to move through. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, definitely. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. So, um, Aniata, how many cheeses would you say, if we'll just stick with cheeses, do you have at any time to choose from? Oh, it's a lot. I mean, we constantly have stuff rotating in. I would easily say I mean, 250 plus cheeses. That's just but- crazy. That's yeah. a lot of cheeses. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot in the pipeline all the time. I mean, we try to turn our inventory as fast as we can just to yeah. make sure that we're getting the freshest stuff out to the shops in a timely manner. Um, I mean, for us, it's very important to represent the cheesemaker to our best ability, sure. getting product the freshest to the counter so that the consumer is enjoying the product how it's intended to intended be. Intended to be eaten, which exactly. is kind of tricky because cheese changes over time. Oh, most so definitely. you've got to coordinate. You know, It seems almost easier for us at the shop. It's already come in that ready condition. But you have to backtrack and plan when to order it to get it how you want it. Well, that's exactly right? it. I mean, a lot of times, um, you know, and I'm sure you guys experience it at the shops is you'll have customers come in and, you know, they're looking for uh, Applebee's uh, Cheshire. Sure. You know, and, and they expect you to have it on the spot. But, you know, realistically, the time frame, you know, to get Applebee's Cheshire, I mean, you're looking at about six to eight weeks, you know, for it to Crazy. even get to the United States to us on the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, so just maintaining the cold train you know, across the United States through Europe and getting a product here, it, it, it changes hands a lot and it takes a lot to Yeah, to get, get from here. A to B. To so we're going to start B, exactly. at A in just a second. But this brings up a good point that whenever you go to a cheese shop, be it Venismo or another one, and they pull every cheese you ask for, they pull the old Monty Python cheese shop skit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, oh, not today. Yeah. And what <laughs> oh, do you have? <laughs> and what do you have? And the truck broke down. Oh, never on Tuesdays. Um, that is real. <laughs> it is. It is. Because it <laughs> trucks break down. They do. Uh, you can't possibly carry 2,000 cheeses at any given time. You have to make a selection. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so so that's, that's the real deal. <laughs> yeah. Right, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So let's go all the way to point A. So I'm just going to bring up one um, because it, it's, it's so well known. And Emmental. For an example, that is a a tiny, tell us, you know, that up in the high in the Swiss Alps where this is made, right? And these are little farmers, co-opted milk, but but just envision that, right? Exactly. Way up there. Exactly. How did you even find who to get an Emmental from, say? How do we start just there? Well, typically, you know, with us, um, with the Emmentaler, fortunately, when you're Importing cheeses, you usually have a person involved in the country that you're working with. So okay. some kind of exporter or consolidator who mm-hmm. has a catalog of cheeses who, you know, does what we do as a distributor, represents, you know, a group of producers. Well, they'll represent, you know, their producers, say, in Switzerland, per se. Okay. Um, so Gormino, for example, when we did the Immentaler cutting event at mm-hmm. Liberty Station would be a perfect example of that. Uh, so they've got a library of all the cheesemakers. Correct. And cheeses that they might represent and could offer to you Correct. as the importer exactly. here. Exactly. Okay. So then, you know, we'll work with them. So Emmentaler, for example, Slow Food Emmentaler. You know, we're talking about a cheese that's made probably uh, 16 days out of the month, maybe one or two wheels a day. It's crazy. So we have this cheese that's made Slow Food Emmentaler aged, what, 15 to 22 months. So we're talking from the time, you know, the cow's milked. The milk is turned into curd. The curd is turned into a piece of cheese, um, you know, and ages out. You know, we already have 15 to 22 months invested in that. Yeah, that's crazy right there. So that cheesemaker has invested 15 to 22 months. Exactly. Right 
without any income, without anyone knowing who's going to buy that. Exactly. That's point. it. Okay. It's tucked back. It's aging out, doing its thing. Right there in maybe their little shed, little hut. Correct. You know, whatever you want to call it. The Affinage, yeah. The so Affinage. in the yep. cellar, it would be mm-hmm. aging. And we're during that time period, you know, the cheesemaker, the affineur per se, the person who ages the cheese would – maintain it, make sure that, you know, it's developing properly. It has the flavor profiles that they're looking for and so forth. Um, And then from there, the cheese would be selected and then packaged up. And Mm -hmm. And that's what that kind of exporter there would do. Correct. That company. Exactly. And you're talking to them because you say, hey, I need to get my hands on some of this Emmentaler. Correct. Yeah. So essentially we would place an order, you know, for cheeses from their catalog that Mm -hmm. we wanted to bring in. Okay. Place the order. The cheese comes to a consolidation point in Europe. Mm -hmm. And then from there it gets loaded on a boat and comes into the east coast of America. And a boat. So how long does that boat take? Well, you know, I mean, mean, about couple week or two two weeks depending okay. really on transit time leaving i mean oftentimes you know it's kind of funny to believe that there could be traffic in the ocean right. but a lot of times you know coming into the east coast you know you can have a backup a traffic on, jam yeah, yeah traffic a boat jam. jam exactly <laughs> boats coming into port uh, that could be affected by strikes yeah. at the dock uh you know fdas there's so many different variables so much that could hold that up yeah and i want to go back even one extra step Listen to that traffic. <laughs> yeah. Hear it out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I understand too, Jonathan. So cheeses, of course, coming to the U.S. have have requirements out of the gates, exactly. and I know one of them's big is, is labeling. Exactly. You know? So cheesemakers there have to go through a whole process from the start to label their product properly or uh, describe it properly, right? Exactly. To get into this country, which uh, is a lot of work on their part exactly. to do so, right? And that's one thing that we really look for and is required. Is I mean, ingredients is such a you know, big thing is mm-hmm. knowing what's what's the cheese made out sure. of, uh, being set up with the FDA, you know, having, um, you know, their, um, what would you say, um, registration with the FDA. They have a, a number essentially with the FDA. and That's wild. For a know, piece of cheese, for a type for of a cheese. For a piece of cheese, or... yeah. To be yeah. on the approved uh, exporter list mm-hmm. or approved cheesemaker list per se. And that's what they do there. The company there is going to make sure that they've got all the right registration numbers. So far, you just you know you just want that cheese. Correct, And yeah. you're trying to time out you know, what's going to cost and how long it's going to take exactly. to Exactly. And we like to have that information on file too because as an importer, you know, you need to have all of that in one place. And for us to be able to provide ultimate transparency transparency, we have taken this upon ourselves to be able to collect this data and have it available in the event yeah. we needed it for anything. Sure, sure. You can identify each wheel, each piece that comes in. Exactly. In the facility that it came from, in case there was ever a food out, you know, illness outbreak or whatnot, sure. you know, just yeah. having everything in place, you know, right. it's cheap insurance. Yeah, you kind of think that only applies to um, automobile with a big serial number or something like that, yeah. right? Not a piece of cheese. Exactly. Or a, a lot of cheese yeah. or pallet or whatever. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And Goodness. that's it. It's crazy. Yeah. So it is on the boat. So it's on the boat. Floating along. Could Correct. be a week or two. Finally, it gets to a port here in the U.S. Yes. Then so what happens to that piece? So it's in a box. I'm trying to just envision this. Yeah. So, so it's just in a box imagine, or a pallet. You know, imagine mm-hmm. a pallet that's just stacked up. It has cheeses on it. It just came into port. You know, you have forklifts moving around boats. It's noisy. There's a lot that's happening, you know. So this cheese comes in and then it needs to go through customs or FDA. Mm-hmm. So you have an FDA inspector on site that's going to go through, make sure all the paperwork's in line. And that's separate from customs, right? So FDA, or are they kind of the same? Well, yeah, it's the like FDA, yeah, Okay, they're they together. Okay. So you have so the, FDA, the FDA man. Or and then maybe. once you receive clearance of the FDA, then product needs to get picked up on the East Coast. Somehow. And what's the FDA looking for? Um, Do you I, think? Or are I mean, they, like, what are they really digging in? Do you know? 
You know, it's interesting. From t- I mean, mm-hmm. typically I would say paperwork is the biggest thing. Yeah. Because from time to time, uh, if paperwork's not in line, that can cause a holdup mm-hmm. with the FDA. Uh, and that could adversely affect a certain type of cheese. Well, that's exactly yeah, it. Right? it. Yeah, Exactly. I mean, especially if you have soft cheeses that are more perishable than a wheel of Immentaler, mm-hmm. you know, the clock is kind of ticking sure. from there and you're yeah. losing shelf life on it exactly. or you have customers waiting for it for a special event. Right. Now you promised them. Exactly. You promised it. Yeah. It's going to be here. It's not here. So right, that's right. Okay. one of the things. And that process, is that like a couple hours, you think? Or could that be days you or know, a week or well, something sitting I, at the FDA uh, check-in customs? It's really, I guess, kind of variable at mm-hmm. that to say. I mean, sometimes this time of the year, I, I mean – from what we've seen is things tend to clear more rapidly as opposed to the fourth quarter mm-hmm. when you have the holiday season, when there's a higher volume, volume of stuff coming sure. in, mm-hmm. where things kind of get backed up. And that's when you start seeing that boat traffic out there on the water. Right. Crazy. Um, but once it's here and once yeah. it's cleared. Then, then it's your turn. Then it's our now, turn. Now you got to jump in. That's they've, right. They've handed it off. Correct. They passed okay. the ball. So we have the ball. We have <laughs> the wheel. The ball. <laughs> we have the 200-pound wheel of cheese. rolling down the uh, sidelines. <laughs> that's right. We, we have the ball. We have the cheese. So... <laughs> What we need to do now is we need to, you know, get this cheese from the East Coast okay. to us. And typically the East because we're getting so much from Europe, say. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So okay. from Europe, sticking with the Swiss model. So mm-hmm. so we're talking Switzerland, boat, East Coast, clears FDA, gets on a truck, and then that's another week now. That's crazy. Another so, truck. Okay. So we're looking at another week now. So this is going to get on a truck. We're going to uh, truck it across the United States. Mm-hmm. We're going to pick it up. We're going to bring it to our warehouse. Pick it, so it doesn't even come straight to your warehouse. You've got to go get it uh, typically. Or yeah, it depends, most, I guess, how big the correct. delivery is. Yeah, yeah it depends. Like, okay. Uh, but typically, uh, you know, come to us or we'll pick it up at another one of our facilities. And then from there, it mm-hmm. comes back to us. And then the process of selling it to the cheese shops yeah. or specialty shops or whatnot takes place. Takes and, place. And you've got to warehouse some of this as well, right? Correct, I mean, yeah. you're not bringing it in one day and turning it out the next day. It's exactly. got to be stored and, and kept, right? Exactly. That's it. Uh, so that we're storing it, you know, breaking it down, selling it. And that's always the trick is forecasting what – you know, folks are going to be interested in since it takes so long to yeah to get it here. Like how many here. how many wheels do you think you know exactly? Would you know you would need or um, and knowing that that process that you just told me. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six weeks. Like you said, yeah, six to eight about weeks. Six weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. six to eight weeks. Yeah. So you, we've got a list and we've decided. So now I'm Venisimo and call. Hey, Jonathan, we want some Emmental. You know, of course, what you've got coming or what you've already got. Exactly. And you're going to get that to me. Yes. And you don't just get it to us here in San Diego. Now you go lots of other places, right? Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we originally started as a regional distributor, San Diego, started covering off Orange County, LA. And now we're running trucks, you know, Southern California, Tuesday through Friday. Um, back several months ago, we started running a truck up to San Francisco. So mm-hmm. we're covering off the Central Coast. and <laughs> the Bay Area now. Yeah. That's great. There's just such the um, appetite for cheese. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And is it a good mix of, um, say, retail shops versus, say, chefs and restaurants? And Yeah. So for us, I mean, our background and my background prior to working at Anyata um, comes in retail. So we tend to focus more on the retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's what we know really well. Um, we do food service. We do work with hotels, you know, oh, sure. chefs mm-hmm. and restaurants. So we do have a very uh, mixed demographic of customers, but, you know, retail, you know, for us has been a lot of focus. Yeah, a lot, a lot. 
Um, what you just described to me, I think, answers another question. You know, people often ask, why is cheese so expensive? Yeah. You know, and think of that piece of Emmental. The farmer himself has got to make some money. You know, he sat there for 20 months, say, yeah. um, with that cheese. He's got to, you know, make some a living, you know, doing that. And then it's got to, the, the exporter has to make something from it. Yeah. You, as the importer distributor, yep. there's got to be something there. Us, as paying the rent, you know, keeping a shop open and, and exactly. getting it out to the table. You know, cost something. This is really one explanation of, you know, cheese is an expensive product, um, right? It is. It is. And, uh, Just distribution. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, you know, you think about a lot of the cost in cheese and really trying to digest it and understand it is you look at, you know, just the transportation it requires to get a piece of cheese from point A to point B. Yeah. But then, you know, in addition to that, I mean, it's just... There's so much involved. You Handling. have refrigeration. Yeah, refrigeration. I mean, that's yeah. You have, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially if you're buying from Europe, you have currency changes, you know. So ah, that's another one, right? We'll purchase- if the dollar's good or bad, Correct. that affects you, Absolutely, right? exchange rates and so forth. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of different variables, you know, that yeah. uh, can influence uh, a cost of cheese. And a lot of the folks that we tend to work with, I mean, we're looking at, you know, smaller artisanal producers who are not producing on a large scale. Yeah. Uh, so typically, you know, the cost on their cheese, you know, will be more just because of operating costs of the farm and so forth. The economies of scale. Yeah, they're really true. That holds true in any industry and and anything. Yeah, but it makes it, it's it's delicious. Whole other topic, but (laughs) artisan cheese, really delicious. I was reading something, Jonathan, does this make sense to you? So um, in 2016, it said that the countries that exported the highest dollar volume of cheese, number one was Germany. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Uh, and we don't get too many German cheeses. I mean, we get some of the artisanal yeah. Bavarian-style cheeses. But, um, yeah, that was interesting to me. I saw that U.S. was number six on the list. It said 1.2 billion is exported. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, and that, per se, could possibly be based upon commodity cheeses, maybe? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. Kind of. And when you say that, are we talking like what goes on top of pizza or – Possibly. Um, something like that, fast food hamburgers or who knows, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's interesting about Germany. Mm-hmm. I, I would not have guessed that. But yeah, Germany, Netherlands, France, Italy, Denmark, and the U.S. And see, France, yeah, yeah our Netherlands actually makes sense. I mean, you think about yeah. all of the – That's how so the, much cheese. And France, right. you know, a lot of French, Italian, yeah. Denmark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Now, why don't we um, get – so I see New Zealand was number seven and then um, Australia was 13. But we don't get a lot of um, New Zealand, Australia, nor anything like South America or Mexico, is it the cost? Because you can, or you can't put it on an airplane. It's too expensive to put it on an airplane. That's you know honestly, that's a good question, and I don't entirely know on that. I know there mm-hmm. are cheeses that we do see from Australia, New Zealand, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, just of, yeah, yeah distribution of, maybe or possibly just yeah. Not, I'm not sure. I mean, it could come back down yeah. to FDA setup. You know mm-hmm. what the legal requirements would be to get into the United States, and also too. I mean, we're looking at you know geographically a part of the country, the part of the world, yeah, essentially, literally that the is other side, the other side. So sure. yeah, um, you know, possibly just the cost of bringing product by boat or by air to the United States could. Would just be prohibitive. Yeah, yeah. just be yeah. so expensive. It just doesn't make sense or sense essentially. So. Yeah, because then essentially, then we would have to maybe sell it for fifty dollars a pound, and that's just out of the reach. It just makes no sense, exactly. right? Through that whole channel, exactly. And, Crazy. And that's what we see sometimes is when cheeses do get very expensive like that. You tend to tap folks out of the market, and yeah. Um, so I'm not sure, honestly. Mm-hmm. I know folks yeah. bring it in. I that's a 
good topic for me because I'm interested. In right. It. Like, let's go see yeah, <laughs> what, what we get. But like South America, I think in our whole history, we've had one. Um, but I know there's some cheeses made there, but maybe they just don't export a lot. Maybe make more for just, you know, consumption in that country. Yeah, and it's interesting. The, che- the cheeses that I've come across from Central and South America, um, I know there was a company that was bringing in water buffalo milk mozzarella oh, wow. from uh, was it Central America. Mm-hmm. And not too long ago, I spoke with some folks in Costa Rica who are making mozzarella. Yeah, interesting. Okay. And I know they were set up to bring product into the United States, but aside from that, um, mm. that's pretty much it. Yeah. And Mexico? Do people ask you yeah. for that too? And well, we, we well, don't see very much of that. Especially being yeah. a border town. And sure. there are some folks um, south of, kind of southeast of Ensenada in a small little town, oh, uh, yeah. Is it- Ojos Negros. Uh-huh. Uh, it's uh, Cava de Marcelo. And mm-hmm. I know they're making some art- artisan cheeses down there. Right. Um, there's a Think general- we'll ever get some? Yeah, to say? I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I've spoken. There's a gentleman, his name's Carlos Yescas, uh, who runs a... Um, organization called the um, Old Ways uh, Coalition. Oh, the Coalition. Didn't he do that? also that book, kind of that whole historical book about cheese? I mean, anything you would want to know Correct. about almost every cheese in the world and where to find it. Correct. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, he's a, I mean, he's a figure on uh, Mexican cheeses. He had a shop set up in Mexico, and this is something him and I have spoken you know, about before. And mm-hmm. in all honesty, I think a lot of it just kind of boils down to the FDA requirements and yeah. possibly – some of the producers just not being able to make the standard to bring it into the United sure, States. Sure. Makes um, sense. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't say, I mean, I know there's a lot of interest. We're seeing more wine from right, you know, right. Guadalupe. And that took a, a while. Exactly. You know, and still you don't see it that much, but it's getting more. So Correct. maybe the same thing will happen. Exactly. And that's world. it. You know, yeah. as folks became, become more interested, you know, and in really what's happening, you know, across the border there. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? Maybe five, ten years down the road, we'll be sitting here having a conversation again and we're talking about Mexican and could, cheeses. And we could be pairing. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> which would be exactly. great. Because I know I've been to the uh, Mercado kind of in Tijuana and you just see some beautiful artisanal cheeses yeah. that just never, ever see here. Yeah. Um, so that would be really cool. Absolutely. That would be good. Absolutely. Um, what about the U.S. then? You know, we've talked about bringing it from the, you know, outside of the U.S. What about inside the U.S.? There's a lot of artisan producers oh, yeah. now. I mean, yeah. so many of them. Now, how do you source the U.S. producers and bring those, you know, to us. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of working through the same model is, um, you know, typically we'll set up a consolidation point. um, And the way that we look at the United States is we kind of look at it in regions. Mm -hmm. So you have the Pacific Northwest, California, you know, kind of that Wisconsin, Midwest area. You have the Northeast Kingdom, Vermont, New England, Mm -hmm. and then you get down into the South um, oh, interesting. So you're saying when you talk regions, maybe some of those producers blob together and get it to one point and it can go out. Correct. Ah, yeah. So looking at things on a mm-hmm. regional basis in terms of, I guess, consolidation per se. And for us, finding new producers to represent uh, a lot of it, you know, is going to food shows, uh, the annual American Cheese Society conference uh, that happens. In and that's July. a big one. Right. That's a big one. It's a real big one. Absolutely. That's a big one. And that's a really good opportunity um, to meet a lot of cheesemakers. I mean, they have a whole event dedicated to it called Meet the Cheesemaker. That's awesome. Is that where you'll go then, Jonathan, and try yeah, to meet some new ones absolutely. and see uh, what they're doing that's new? That's mm-hmm. correct, yeah. And, and what's nice about it is there's a rotation for the ACS conferences. Every year, uh, you know, you have – there's a East Coast, Midwest, West Coast rotation. So this year it's taking place in Denver. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what cheesemakers kind of from like that Denver – 
Um, yeah, the Boulder, Longmont. Boulder, Colorado, yeah. Longmont. Mm-hmm. You know, even just kind of reaching out a little bit further, who will come into town, you know, and show off some cheese sure. that we might not have even seen before. Yeah, exactly. And is that is that the, super exciting for you to, to find the little gems that are new? And, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure constantly everybody's like, what's Absolutely. new? I want something new every time. <laughs> Bring Amer- me something new. The American Cheese Society Conference was one of those things, um, you know, back in 2012, the first conference I attended was in Raleigh, North Carolina, when I took the CCP exam. Mm-hmm. And I went to the conference, and it was so exciting yeah. and just completely overwhelming to say, right? but in a so great way, much. it was overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I I felt like when I left the conference, I found my tribe of people and what I wanted to do. Yeah. And so the ACS every year just has that buzz for me. I like how it's a very focused event with a lot of cheese folks there. You're able to yeah. meet cheese makers. Share. Share. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's, it's almost like a body of knowledge where you walk away learning something that you didn't know before you attended. That's awesome. Almost year. like the Comic-Con of yeah, the cheese world, exactly. right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. really, it brings everyone together. It brings everyone together. Yeah. It's like the unification of a tribe. Right. And uh, we joke about it now because, uh, you know, we refer to it as cheese camp. And essentially, it kind of <laughs> has like that camping. cheese campy uh, <laughs> That's you know, nice camping. You just eat cheese and hang out and talk cheese and eat more cheese. Exactly. That's a good camp. And it's really cool, too, to see the new faces that have come into yeah. the cheese industry. And, so many, right? Oh, so many. Because it, it was almost 2,000 entrants last year, as I recall, in the competition part yes. of the cheese. 2,000 U.S.-made Jesus. Correct. And it's grown every yeah. single year. I mean, the mm-hmm. um, the attendance of uh, first-time participants has grown every single year. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just great, you know, to see new people coming into the industry and to see it so continue cool. to grow. Yeah. it's To me, it, it, it does kind of mirror that boutique, the wineries, you know, and how wine really exploded in the U.S. And then you had the boutique wineries um, that just made something really different and special and um, that represented the region that they're in yeah. and that kind of thing. Seeing a lot of that and from really almost every state, right? I mean, there's some that I'm like shocked that we get some from some of the states. Yeah. You know, I know California is big. We know that Wisconsin, of course, huge New York, Vermont always, but then we've got some great cheeses coming from Tennessee. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite blue cheeses is made in Tennessee. You know, Which one's that? Uh, well, Sequatchie Cove makes a cheese called Shaker Egg Blue. And so good. <laughs> uh, probably because I, you know, enjoy whiskey, but this is one of my favorites, uh, raw cow milk yeah. cheese that's wrapped in fig leaves that's soaked in Chattanooga whiskey. That's ridiculous, but that's awesome. <laughs> it is. And it's great. You know, it's just one of those cheeses I find very special. It's very tasty and yeah. it's always a really fun sell. And when we have it in stock, uh, everyone's always real excited to order it and to sell Awesome, so. Yeah. And say it again, the name of it? Uh, egg Blue. Shikareg Blue. I hope we have some. I think we do. <laughs> if not, do. we better get some. Yeah, you do you have some? You probably do. Oh, yeah, we have some <laughs> right now. Yeah. We try to keep that in stock yeah, as much as, as we much can. as you can. What else is kind of new? Like, could you say is kind of a new favorite? Um, it's kind well, of recent. Right now, I mean, I'm really excited about the Pascal Bever line that we're importing into the United States. Ah, this is that beautiful French, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Bever. Is uh, you know very well known in France and even uh, Western Europe and you know actually internationally. And what's neat about them, if you were to situate them, you know, with all the affineurs, you know, in France, is that they operate as both cheesemakers mm-hmm. and as affineurs. Yeah. So they have their four workshops, which are regionally located in different parts of France That's that great. specialize in the production of specific cheeses. Mm-hmm. And then they also have their maturation facilities where they'll 
get cheeses from other producers, age them out, yeah. and then package them up as well. Right, so, and send them out. And then they, the, 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 being the affineur, their whole job is to make sure that they get it to that optimal condition. Well, that's right? exactly it. Yeah. That's exactly it. They and just want it. for them, mm-hmm. it's neat. It's just full transparency where the milk comes from. I mean, they have a very unique process for picking up mm-hmm. uh, their milk. I mean, they're collecting milk two times a day from the local farmers, bringing it to the workshops. Uh, it's very timely process. However, for them, it's very beneficial because it allows them to control the quality of the milk, mm-hmm. which yields a uh, higher quality cheese product. Awesome. Um, so you know you're getting something really good. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, they do a terrific job and uh, it's it's been fun working with them and we're thrilled yeah. to uh, you know, represent them. Have you met the man, Pascal? I've never yeah, met Pascal. Pascal, yeah, yes. he's a great man, uh-huh. uh, wonderful old gentleman. Uh, met for the first time at Fancy Food back in January, great. and his son Fabrice has uh, really spearheaded the company um, and has you know really yeah. pushed it you know in a new direction and really hands-on approach. And I mean, kind of going back to the transparency thing, that's what's really nice is you know they've made all this educational materials. Um, you know, available to the shops, you know, mm-hmm. where, you know, he, Fabrice is located in London and say, you know, you have a shop that brings in product and you want to set up a Skype training, you know, he makes himself totally accessible to. That's great, right? Exactly. Because that part of it's that education, you know, to know well, what you're it. getting. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a simple product, but then a complicated product cheese, that's right? A, yeah, you know, it's milk, absolutely. it's milk salt. You yeah, know, milk, and it's a, salt, rennet. Yeah, yeah, there's there's information to be had about each one. Exactly. And the fact that now it's so, the world has become just this one place where we can all share and, like you said, be on a, a Skype, a FaceTime this yeah. fast and meet the maker, meet the affineur, exactly. learn everything we want about it. Exactly. It's just the coolest thing. It is. That is really good. It is. And you just got back from Ireland. Any cool cheeses there? Did you get to eat anything we haven't had? Or um, I'm not, I don't no, so many Irish. Most of them are the stinky guys. Yeah, well, I mean, mm-hmm. gubine is always a favorite of mine. Okay. I had quite a bit of gubine. Um, when I was in Dublin uh, on Saturdays at the Temple Bar Market, uh, there's some folks there that have a cheese stand set up, Corleggi cheese. Oh, beautiful cheeses, right? They're beautiful cheeses. Beautiful. They do some raw goat, raw sheep milk mm-hmm. cheeses. Uh, they made a blue cheese that was Stilton-like. That was very good. Um, and they also had um, a cheddar that was very tasty yeah. as well. Oh, that's awesome. Well, then an ode to the Irish. An ode to the Irish. Uh, Shante? Slancha. Slancha. Mm, not even close. <laughs> On that note, thank you, Absolutely Jonathan. No, thank Aniata you. Cheese. Thank you, Specialty Produce Network. And um, thanks all for tuning in. And see you next week, noon on Tuesday.